So we are reading from 1 Corinthians chapter 7, um, starting at verse 17. Uh, just to warn you, it's quite a long passage. Uh, Nevertheless, each person should live, this is Paul speaking, of course. Each person should live as a believer in whatever situation the Lord has assigned to them, just as the Lord has called them, just as God has called them. This is the rule I lay down in all the churches. Was a man already circumcised when he was called? He should not become uncircumcised. Was a man uncircumcised when he was called? He should not be circumcised. Circumcision is nothing, and, and uh, uncircumcision is nothing. Keeping God's commands is what counts. Each person should remain in the situation they were in when God called them. Were you a slave when you were called? Don't let it trouble you. Although if you can gain your freedom, do so. For the one who was a slave when called to faith in the Lord is the Lord's freed person. Similarly, the one who was free when called is Christ's slave. You were bought at a price. Do not become slaves of human beings. Brothers and sisters, each person as responsible to God should remain in the situation they were in when God called them. Now about virgins. I have no command from the Lord, but I give a judgment as one who, by the Lord's mercy, is trustworthy. Because of the present crisis, I think that it is good for a man to remain as he is. Are you pledged to a woman? Do not seek to be released. Are you free from such a commitment? Do not look for a wife. But if you do marry, you have not sinned. And if a virgin marries, she has not sinned. But those who marry will face many troubles in this life. And I want to spare you this. What I mean, brothers and sisters, is that the time is short. From now on, those who have wives should live as if they do not. Those who mourn as if they did not. Those who are happy as if they were not. Those who buy something as if it were not theirs to keep. Those who use the things of this world, of the world, as if not engrossed in them. For this world in its present form is passing away. I would like you to be free from concern. An unmarried man is concerned about the Lord's affairs, how he can please the Lord. But a married man is concerned about the affairs of this world, how he can please his wife, and his interests are divided. An unmarried woman or virgin is concerned about the Lord's affairs. Her aim is to be devoted to the Lord in both body and spirit. But a married woman is concerned about the affairs of this world, how she can please her husband. I am saying this for your own good, not to restrict you, but that you may live in a right way in undivided devotion to the Lord. If anyone is worried that he might not be acting honorably towards the virgin he is engaged to, and if his passions are too strong and he feels he ought to marry, he should do as he wants. He is not sinning. They should get married. But the man who has settled the matter in his own mind, who is under no compulsion, but has control over his own will, and who has made up his mind not to marry the virgin, this man also does the right thing. So then, he who marries the virgin does, does right, but he who does not marry her does better. A woman is bound to her husband as long as he lives. But if her husband dies, she is free to marry anyone she wishes, but he must belong to the Lord. Amen. Hello. Welcome to the Hamlet's Community Church. If this is your first time here, I'd like to extend my welcome to you. 
Um, and it's fantastic to have some of my family members here as well today. Um, not from far, uh, but they are here. So, yes, we are in 1 Corinthians 7. And as John Day opened up this chapter, it starts with some words that echoey. Yeah. Starts with some words, which is now for the matters you wrote about. So, Paul is responding to a letter that's been written to him. Now, we can't see that letter. And that makes translating, understanding, you're getting one side of conversation. And I think that this makes it very difficult for us to look at what is really, what what question is Paul answering here? But as we can see, the Bible says a lot about marriage. And in 1 Corinthians 7, there's a lot about here in marriage. So ultimately, the question that's being asked about is marriage. And the one, and the Corinthian Christians at this time are having a real difficulty with trying to understand where they stand with the idea of marriage. You've got the Jewish Christians who would see that being single is against God's law, that you should get married, that you should be further in God's kingdom by having uh, children, and to deny that is to deny God's will. On the flip side of that, you've got the... um, You've got the pagans that are saying, actually, you should be devoted 100% to the Lord. You should be celibate. You shouldn't connect yourself um, through any sort of physical sort of connection. You should be devoted 100% to to God. And basically, you've got these two sort of ideas here that, that Paul is trying to address very carefully and trying to really trying to really sort of pull out what the core issue is here and what the core problem is. And in this passage, it's quite a long one, he sort of repeats it a few times, and it's what we're going to be looking at today. The idea is, and it's very simple, and it's very repetitive, the basic principle, and it's, the basic principle is easy, how we apply it today and how they apply it then is where the difficulty comes in, and I pray that, that the, the application of the principle is what I pray that you get today. That Christians shouldn't be concerned with changing their outward circumstances. That Christians shouldn't be concerned with changing their outward circumstances. And that's the basic principle. There's no reason to say that now you're a Christian, you should stop being single. Now that you're a Christian, you should now get married. Now that you're a Christian, you should dissolve your marriage and be celibate. Now you're a Christian, you should dump your unsaved spouse. Now that you're saved you, and you're a slave, you should try and get out as quickly as possible. Now that you're a Christian, you should be circumcised. Is not what it's saying here. In Galatians 3, it says, There is nor Jew nor Gentile, nor slave nor free, nor there is male or female, for you are all one in Christ Jesus. So what Paul is saying is that everyone needs to understand is that it's about spiritual regeneration. And that is the situation here. It's all about spiritual regeneration, and that's the basis of these verses. And I also think that this is such a strong defense of freedom. Paul is so practical here. I think there's a a, um, myth that Paul is is very straight, very uh, blunt, 
doesn't mind offending, tells you how it is. But actually, in these verses, he's very practical. He tries to tease out what's going on without giving a general law about this is what you have to do. This is, this is a general principle, and you can work it out in your own way. But there also, there is no question in my mind that Christianity has a profound effect on the society around us. With signs and miracles and wonders and the teaching of Jesus on um, equality and how we're all one, the way, the, the, the way that we shouldn't uh, chase after worldly wealth, these factors in our lives, these internal core principles, does have an effect on how we live and the way that we go about life. But at the same time, the Christian status is compatible with any other status. Regardless if you're married, or single, or divorced, or widowed, or free, or slave, or Jewish, or any sort of background. If you're from a democratic background, or a total anarchy background. If you're in a dictatorship if you are a Christian in East London or in Kosovo or in China, anywhere else in the world, Christianity is compatible with all of those. Why? Because it's internal, not external. The Bible teaches that you can be a good Christian in any of these situations because Christianity is a spiritual relationship with God and has little to do with our status. Ephesians 2, For it is by grace you have been saved through faith. And this is not through yourselves, but a gift from God. The general principle to the Corinthians is that there is no reason to start changing your status now that you're a Christian. And this is the general principle in verse 17. Now, however, it is God that's called you from, to stay here. God has called you in this situation, and he wants you to stay in this situation that he's allotted to you. Just keep in that course. Now, again, there's going to be lots of these nows. He isn't saying, if you were saved at the age of 13, that you should stay as you were 13, as you were at 13. This is a general principle, not a law. And we saw this earlier in chapter 17, when Paul says, if you are married to an unbeliever, you should stay married. That is the general principle. In reality, if your spouse decides to leave you, then you should let them go. So again, there's a principle uh, that you should stay married, but actually in reality that might not be the case. And so there's a, there's a clause, there's, there, there is an exception. And this is what we're going to see today as well. So we're going to look at three different ways, which is staying as you are. If you're married, stay as you are. If you're uncircumcised, stay as you are. If you're a slave, do not be concerned that you're a slave. Single, stay single. Engaged, stay as you are. Circumcised, stay as you are. Though I still, uh, I didn't look it up, but I'm, sure, I'm not quite sure how you become uncircumcised. But anyway, um, stay, stay, stay circumcised if you are. Before we move on, Paul is really saying is that Stay in the situation you're called. I mean, you're going to hear me repeat this a lot. Paul repeats it a lot. I'm going to repeat it a lot. And again, it's about staying as you are. There are two reasons why Paul isn't saying, if you're saved at 14, you should stay at whatever status you are, 
14, if you don't have a job, if you are single, then that's how you should stay for the rest of your life. Why Paul isn't saying that is for two reasons. One is, Paul himself, when he was converted, changed quite a bit. He, um, he changed his job. Uh, we heard last week from Tony that he changed his marital status, changed as well. Um, so, th- so Paul himself is not saying that you can't change jobs, you can't do any of these things. So that can't be one of the reasons why he's saying you've got to stay. If you have a single job, maybe you're, um, maybe you work in banking and you're a, you're an analyst or something. You've got to stay as an analyst all your life. It's not it's it's not talking about a single position here. And the second thing, which is the main reason that we're talking about today, which is your circumstances doesn't make you more holy. Being circumcised doesn't make you more holy, and we'll look at that. Being married doesn't make you more holy. Being single doesn't make you more holy. So changing your status shouldn't be, that shouldn't be your focus. And if that's your focus, and that is what Paul is really addressing here, if you're trying to change a specific situation in your life uh, which has no direct um, wording, then don't chase after it. You're chasing after the wrong thing. It isn't that you should or shouldn't change. It's your standing that is, that is what it's all about. So we're going to explore these three different subjects, and they're both, all three of them are very different. So circumcision, slavery, and then your relationship status. Um, and so we're going to explore all of those three and see what Paul says. And I, actually, he's building on this. I don't think that this is separate from the whole of 1 Corinthians 7. Uh, it's building on the whole passage and on the questions that the Corinthians have asked Paul to start with. So, verse 17, it talks about very much our calling, that we have been put into a certain location, we've been, we've, we've been given a certain task of where we are, and that that's been distributed to us by God. And it's not as if God had this big, massive plan for the whole world and in complete control of it, but it only started with you when you became a Christian. Then that's when he had you in. No, you were saved in a certain location, in a certain position, and God knows that, and he has you there. Again, another caveat. I'm not talking about if you are in anything illegal or sinful. God isn't saying that you should, you should stay in that situation. That's, that is something different. And Jesus and God just isn't clearly calling you to live in sin. But God doesn't expect you to suddenly just change everything. He doesn't expect you to bail out of your responsibilities that you have. God has you there for a reason. He had you there before you were saved and he has you there after you were saved. And you were saved while you were there as well. And it is simple, so you can do God's work in that area. And that Christianity is is compatible with that area as well. So stay where you are. So so now it's illustrated. So verse 18, was a man already circumcised when he was called? Now, what does that mean? Basically, it means that they were probably Jewish, uh, and then they became a Christian. So the question is, should somebody who has a Jewish background, should they try and push aside their Jewish heritage and to show that they're now a Christian? And Paul clearly says, no. That you have some benefits, and your background is who you are. And that in your background as a Jewish person... You are in a unique situation to be able to to talk to and preach and go into certain places as somebody who has that Jewish background. And so you shouldn't lose that. Uh, 
God has placed you there for a specific reason, for a specific calling. But then on the flip side, if you are uncircumcised, should you be circumcised? And again, this is where the pressure is. If this is a, if 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 Christianity is um, a follow-on from Judaism, then ultimately, if you want to be part of God's called people, and again, the um, the Corinthians would have known this, even if they weren't um, Jewish, then you need to be part of that covenant. And part of that covenant means that you have to be circumcised. And this is a really strong element here. This is, this is foundational to Judaism. And very much the Corinthians would have been feeling the pressure to now become circumcised to be part of this people. But again, Paul could not be clearer. Circumcision is nothing, and uncircumcision is nothing. Verse 19. Neither of them matter, but keeping the commandments of God. The only issue is a moral issue. The issue is a moral issue, a spiritual issue, not an external issue. It doesn't matter whether you have this operation or not. It's a heart thing. And following the commandments of God is where the focus needs to be and that's what it needs to be bottled down to not the externals remember it's the issue of obedience the commandment to be circumcised is in uh, Genesis as a sign of the covenant but this has now passed away as the mosaic dietary conditions have also passed away I don't want to stop here too long uh, but in Mark, they talk about it's not what goes into your mouth that defile, defiles you, but what comes out. And Paul makes a clear distinction between the Mosaic law and that of Christ's commandments, which are ethical and moral. And Bex does an amazing talk on this. I'll try and get it in the newsletter so I don't have to go into it too much. But that differentiation of what do you follow from the Old Testament. Then he goes on to another example, Slavery. And in this principle, he's looking at, again, in, in a more of a life situation which you, which you may not have well been part of getting into. But very much your focus should be on your your not on your earthly status, but on your future status, your eternal status. And he has the illustration here. Were you a slave when you were called? Don't let it trouble you. Although if you can gain your freedom, do so. So I guess the first question we need to get out of the way, does the Bible say that slavery doesn't matter? And I think Paul, in his own words in Romans, says, by no means. The Bible doesn't say that slavery doesn't matter. The Bible says that if you're a slave, don't worry about it. You can be a Christian as a slave. You can be a Christian as anything, socially speaking. Paul is not approving of slavery here. He is merely saying that slavery is not an obstacle to Christian living. And he has experience, not of slavery, but he has experience of imprisonment, unfair imprisonment, where he has 
where uh, the Philippian church he's speaking to are obviously trying to get him out of prison. And he illustrates that actually I've got a unique position where I am. I can talk with the guards. And in that situation, in where he is called at that moment, he can lead a Christian life and spread the gospel. The important thing is to serve God and his will. Notice what he says in verse 21. At the end of the verse, if you may be free, then use it. So what he's not saying is that you should stay a slave forever at all. And again, we go back to actually, is Paul saying that we should stay in the same status? He isn't. Again, principle, rule, exceptions. This is an exception. If you have an opportunity to be free, be free. And again, he then goes into a very interesting paradox in verse 22. And I mean, what does it matter if you're a human slave or a physical slave, if you're freed from sin? I mean, if you're really free in God. So, likewise, if you're called from being free, so if you're a Christian, if you became a Christian while you were free, in other words, if somebody was saved, um, then actually they're a slave to Christ. All he's simply saying is that you may have been physically a slave, but you're a free man spiritually. And you may be a free man physically, but you're a slave spiritually. It doesn't matter whether you're physically bound or free, that as a Christian you're a servant of Jesus Christ. And yet as a Christian you're free from the law, you're free from sin, you're free from Satan, you're free from hell, you're free from the curse. And that's what he's saying. You are free. It doesn't matter whether you're physically bound. It doesn't matter if you're... But what does matter is that you're spiritually bound and that you're free. If I'm a slave, my service is to Christ. If I am free, my service is to Christ. It doesn't... You, what matters is, is your relationship to God. And again, I'm going to reference another sermon here by Adele, who, again, try and get it in the notice sheet, about our relationship with work in particular, which is God can use you in all these different situations. Your job doesn't make too much difference. The Bible doesn't call you to do a certain occupation. You can be a Christian in any job. And again, there's always caveats. We often say that one... Then Paul goes on to another topic, which again is probably used mainly through singleness, um, but actually, I don't think that that's true. I don't think this first one, it does talk about people being single and being unmarried. I don't think that, that this is ultimately the significance of this passage. Because this passage also talks about uh, marriage, uh, uh, husband, wife, widow, uh, single, uh, people who are engaged. There's a lot in here. And basically, he's talking about should somebody's marriage go ahead? And I think that this is the real, this is the bit where what was the actual question? Because he's talking about the betrothed here, people who are um, in, um, on their way to getting married. Should they carry on getting married? If you're saying it's better to be single, then should these people carry on getting married? And in what circumstances should they stop their marriage? So Paul's answer in this situation is absolutely brilliant. Um, I think he tries to not upset the uh, Corinthians that have written to him because he agrees with them. He says, actually, yeah, it is probably better to be single uh, and maybe to hold off the wedding for a little bit. But it's also so freeing when you read the text and he, and he breaks that down. 
you sort of realise that actually this is more of an opinion than a command. Straight away from the off, he says that this isn't the Lord's command. Jesus doesn't tell you what to do in this situation. But actually, this is just based on, your, based on the current distress that you guys are in. I would recommend that you're not free from the, uh, the bounds or the anxiety that comes from a relationship. So I guess, what is the circumstances that you may choose not to marry? Well, first, that actually this is a good time to remain as you are. We hear it again. Remain as you are. Right off the bat, Paul is, though, reframing the issue. It might look like he's agreeing with the letter, but he's agreeing from it from a different angle. Now he's recasting the issue to be clearer. It is good to remain as you are. It's not sinful. Um, or, but it's not about the sin or the righteousness to remain as you are. And again, this is where the reframing comes from. Yes, it's better, but ultimately it's not better because it's sinful to do it. It's not about good and evil. It's not about obedience or disobedience. It's not even about what Jesus or God wants in this situation. In verse 25, what he's really saying is, this isn't on a command, this is just my opinion. It's advice. And that the decision isn't based on your, your eternal soul, on your salvation. But actually, Paul's motivation here is to, self, to save you from anxiety and worldly troubles. And actually, Paul is saying that actually it's not about the, the benefits of being celibate. He's, he sort of doesn't really touch on that. Paul says, no, it's not about what Jesus wants. What he is saying is about having a less troubled life, fewer anxieties. Paul's reason for holding off this marriage is, is basically down to, it's really down to earth. And actually, you, you sort of heard it a few times in that passage and in, and, in, and in the next one, which is verse 40, where Paul is having to reiterate his, his qualities, what, where he's come from, what authority does he have to say this? Because actually, from a very sort of background where it comes to these are the laws and these are the rules, these are what you have to follow, this is what you can do and can't do. Paul here is very much on the fence. He's saying, yes, if you was to push me for an answer, potentially stay single. But if you decide not to, do what you wish. And actually, it's to save them from these current troubles. So what are these current troubles? So very much, uh, we can look in the letter to find out what potential troubles they were going through. Uh, there was a famine uh, Paul asks for help from a relief project at the very end of Corinthians. Uh, there seems to be some sort of plague going around as well. There's healing and sick and dying going on. Uh, but also, Paul himself is in jail and there would have been a, a political turmoil going on. Um, he's also sort of referenced potentially being fed to animals um, in Ephesus. So there, is, there, is, there are, there are the very specific troubles that are going on during this time. And Paul would like to remind the church and the people of Corinth that actually adding more anxieties to you is not going to help you out. And actually, if there is an opportunity to lower your anxieties uh, in these situations, you can take them. But also, Paul wants to reiterate that actually, these things are going to go away. These things are going to leave. These things are not going to stay around forever. 
And these things are fleeting. So again in verse 29, this is what I mean, brothers. The appointed time has grown very short. From now on, let those who have wise as if they have none, and those who have mourned as if they were not mourning, and those who are rejoicing as if they were not rejoicing, and those who buy as if they have no goods, and those who deal with the world as though they have no dealings with it. For the form of the scheme of this world is passing away. The thrust of this is that ultimately this age isn't eternal. This age isn't going to go on forever. This age is fleeting. The day of the Lord is coming and your relationship status doesn't matter. Perhaps Paul has looked at the current troubles and turmoil and plague and thought, yes, this is, this is a specifically bad moment. But actually, Jesus says that you're going to be suffering anyway, just for his sake, let alone added suffering as well. In Romans 8, 18, it says, I consider that our present sufferings are not worth comparing with the glory that will be revealed in us. Very much suffering is going to come anyway. Don't add to that suffering. So he's very much been very practical here. In this current day and age, getting married is going to be something that will add extra anxiety onto your life. And he's saying at this present moment, potentially consider thinking that actually this isn't the right thing to do or the smartest thing to do. But as I said, this isn't quite about singleness. That this passage is talking about a very practical situation of what should you do in your life? What, where should you go? Where should you be led? And it comes down to, actually, if you are following the commandments of God, then you, God can use you wherever you are. So on the one hand, it's a very helpful reminder from Paul to be reframing that the liberty, specifically around relationship status, is not an ultimate thing. Neither is marriage, singleness, celibacy. None of these should be your ultimate goal. And that the second part for Paul is that actually all this stuff is falling away. That actually it will just add to your anxiety. If you get married, you'll be adding to your anxiety. I want you to be free from anxieties. The unmarried man is anxious about the things of the Lord. How to please the Lord and the married man is anxious about worldly things. How to please his wife and his interests are divided. And the unmarried or betrothed woman is anxious about the things of the Lord, how to be holy in, in body and spirit. But the married woman is anxious about worldly things, how to please her husband. I say this for your benefit, not to lay any restraint upon your, you literally, not to put a noose around your necks, but to promote good order and secure undistracted devotion to the Lord's. And I think we, all, we often read this passage really badly. I think straight away, I think we say, well, if you're single, then you must have more capacity for the gospel. I don't think Paul is saying that. We, we read this passage and we say, well, if you're single, then you can devote your work to the Lord more. Again, Paul isn't saying that in this passage. Paul doesn't say this and shouldn't be saying this to specifically increase your anxieties. It's to free you from them. And actually, the point in this passage is that everyone is anxious. There's no one in that passage that isn't anxious at some point. 
But what Paul is trying to do is to spare you from more anxiety. So Paul says that there are benefits to spare you from anxiety, from troubles. And the advice you can have, you can take it or leave it. But it's so liberating, the word of God, and it's just so freeing. Here the Corinthians have gone from binding consciousness, but it doesn't matter. He says single, married, short engagement, long engagement, these things of the world are passing away. Devotion to the Lord is what matters. But whether or not a young, mar- a young couple marry or not is neither here nor there. Yet here is something that does matter to Paul. It matters that they're not unduly anxious. It matters that your life isn't harder than it needs to be. And it's going to be hard. Paul isn't saying that his life was easy. Paul was shipwrecked multiple times, bitten by a snake after he got shipwrecked on an island. He's not saying that the Christian life has to be this easy thing and you should run away from any anxieties you have. But in the areas where you have control and there is a choice to be made, Paul is saying that let those areas be areas which are less anxiety so then you can focus on the other ones, which may increase anxiety. The word of God is so kind in this. And he wants to free you from these anxieties that exist. And he recognises that they exist. And the key thing in verse 36, that if anyone feels like they're acting uh, inappropriately towards a virgin, he's encouraged you that if you're beyond the usual marriage age, that you can marry. He's not saying that there's a set rule here. Again, there's the general principle, stay as you are. Focus on the Lord's work. But... There are situations, if you feel like you can't wait, get married. If you feel like that you're actually doing harm to somebody else, get married in that sense here, like in terms of damaging. There, is, there, is a, there isn't a set rule here, and this is where the difficulty is, and this is where I think the principle is easy to understand, the application of it is where the difficulty comes in. The... Corinth church was both concerned too highly but also too low. They were hung up on circumstances and status but what they should have been more concerned with was the call of God and the knowledge of God in Christ, holiness in his body and spirit. It is no surprise that already the Bible talks about how the service of God is perfect freedom. It's true that once you grasp that handle on what really matters, you are free. So Paul's purpose this morning is, I think, to liberate us, to let us be very clear that Paul's aim in 1 Corinthians 7 is not to persuade you, really, that you should be doing more if you're single or that you should change your social status. In fact, I think it's the complete opposite of what he is saying. His aim is to persuade you that wherever you are married or single or free, whatever religious background or social status that you have, that that is radically second to being a Christian. And in fact, it is so secondary that you can make those decisions and changes on completely other grounds. Jesus does not have a word to say on this. So my prayer this morning is that the word of God will liberate us And that he will show you that you are free to follow his words, to follow his commands. 
God meets us where we are, each with our own gifts and callings. Paul says, I want you to be free from anxiety. And that is the primary benefit of singleness in these troubled times. If you were planning a wedding in the pandemic, say you might have decided to hold it off. Did you really want to have your first year of marriage during a pandemic? But at the same time, Paul says, well, if you can't wait, go ahead. There is not a right or wrong answer. There's a, there's a suggestion or somebody's opinion into the matter. But ultimately, if you can't wait, if you think it will cause more damage, if you would like to do it anyway, if you feel like there'll be sin there, then go ahead. Paul's aim is not to bind consciousness and quite the opposite. He is to set you free. And we go back to verse 17. However it is that God has called you, stay there. Whatever God, how, whatever God has allotted to you, just keep in that course. Everybody walk in their chosen course that God has given them. This is the general principle and the working out of that principle is the lifelong journey. As the worship band come back up, I will pray. Heavenly Father, we pray that every single one of us here this morning would be devoted to the word and to the Lord Jesus' body and soul. And we pray that our devotion to the Lord Jesus and our obedience to your commands would set us free. And we ask that in Jesus' name. Amen.